0: We're continuing where we left off last week. Um, It is uh, November 15th, 2020, and we're going to continue with the thought of the week and prayer.
1: Okay, thought of the week. The greatest enemy to learn the deeper things of God is thinking you already know it all. Paul has insight into the mystery. And it is the wisdom we need. No matter how much you how much you know, there is still more to know. A good example is in Ephesians chapter one. Paul prays that these believers who are commended for their faith and love for the Lord. The apostle is especially thankful for them. However, it does not stop fear. Paul prayed for them to get the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they would know Christ even better than they knew him. He prayed that they may know the hope to which they have been called. See if chapter 1, verse 15 to 18. With all the commendations given it is clear that Paul sees their need to grow more in order to see the hope of their destiny it is also our destiny and in order for us to see it we must grow to the point where it becomes visible. so we not see what God has prepared for them because they don't, they do not think there is another else to be seen. Once salvation is experienced, the object for the new believer to begin learning the milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Take it from First Peter chapter two, verse two, b The mystery is the mystery is information. For those who are grown, not babies in Christ. In fact, you cannot fulfill God's will unless this information is the focus. I have become a servant by the commission God gave me to, prepare, to present to you the Word of God in all its fullness. In its fullness, take it first. First, Colossians chapter one, verse twenty-five. As you see, God called Peter and the other apostles and prophets for this very reason to fill up what is lacking. With the mystery revealed, it must now be communicated. So, ready or not, here it is. Take it from the thoughts of the week about the deep things of God, referring to a lot of times believers. Think they know God but God revealed it in his plan for we for the believer can actually see what God has bestowed upon him to learn more about his insight if I have the mind of Christ. So we all have a lot to learn more. Not to say that we we should we shouldn't say we know it all because we actually we don't. We don't have the mind of Christ, but as as Christians growing up, we get a chance to learn the, the revelation what God has wants to know. So, this is what I get out of the thought of the week. To take it from Ephesians and Colossians. So, at the top of my service, we have the white leaders of prayer. Thank you very much, Faiths. And I will be
2: praying for our families, extended families, um, the local church, as well as the worldwide church. Are there any special requests on top of that?
0: Well, the, what we had already mentioned with Corinne and uh, Cliff. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah. Pray for them. Okay. All right. Let our heads as we come before our Father. Dear Father in Heaven, thank you for um, this special privilege to be included in your plan at this time. What an amazing administration this is. And thank you also for this circle of believers that uh, we get to, to talk about these deep things of your plan, the deep things of your motivation, and the glory that belongs to Christ, the glory that belongs to us as a result of what you've done for us. And we come before you now with our with our supplications and desires with thanksgiving. Um, again, thank you for the local Worship Church and all of those affiliated with the church and who have been touched by the church in one way or another. Let those seeds germinate and, and take root in Christ and and grow to the fullness that you have intended for us to the full stature of the fullness of Christ I pray also for the body of Christ worldwide that um, just knowing that we're not the only believers that there are believers worldwide also looking into the mystery and the deep things of Christ to know more about you and um I want to offer special prayers for Corinne, and especially Cliff, as Cliff tested positive for COVID-19, um, and putting your family in a, in a state of having to, um, you know, work around us and make some changes and, and help is being uh, threatened, perhaps compromised. And we ask that you would um, heal them, that you would bring... Safety and restore their family to their full strength. And um, I also want to pray for those who um, are on this call and, and those who have missed this call and would would love to be here, but the world has, has taken them on a different uh, path this morning. I pray that um, you know our work continues on through the recordings and through these, uh, the notes that we share, that it will just become a, a garden um, that is your vineyard, that represents the fruit that we anticipate that we have by abiding in Christ. For you are the vineyard, and you know the fruit that you have planted, and we, we submit ourselves to your will, not our will be done, but yours, and in Jesus Christ, I pray this time. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Dwight, and Dave as well. Appreciate that. Uh, we are moving forward. Um, John 15 in verse 9 is our scripture focus this morning. And hopefully we can get to uh, through what that uh, uh, the notes reveal there. So in your notes, hopefully, if you could... Um, Let's head head there. So it says, in the notes, as we continue to grow in grace, we are beginning to see the integration of the shared singular purpose of the entire Trinity. Each person of the Godhead working together to accomplish the Father's eternal per- purpose is the perfect synergy. By now, we are seeing our role is developing as well. And we can take our place in their hope while we can absolutely we can be absolutely sure that god will succeed in this plan there is still one thing that is uncertain it is what our impact for the father's plan will be since it has not been fully finalized god already knows what our contribution will be but we do not for us how will we respond to the hope of our calling to still being written uh, as we come to the full knowledge of the truth? If you know these things, your life has immense purpose. There is no pursuit or purpose in the world that compares to the eternal purpose of which we have been called. So, stay the course. Fight the good fight of faith. While you may think your life is average, and even meaningless at times, remember what God thinks of you, quote, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. It's Romans 8, 16 and 17. So we're going to try to take this one verse apart. As the Father has loved me, so I I have loved you. Now remain in my love. So looking at this first phrase, yes, the Father loves the Son. That should not be something that... uh, we have to wonder about we do know it what it means but let's dig in a little more so we can see because there is more to think about when it says the father loves the son so i'm going to go to some scriptures here i'm going to move quickly matthew 17 5 is the first one let's look at that so this was uh, so it says while he was still speaking A bright cloud covered them, and a voice from heaven said, this is Father speaking from heaven, and uh, it says, this is my Son, whom I love. There's no doubt that the Father loves the Son. With Him, I am well pleased. Listen to Him. This is interesting to think about because here we have a display of who Christ is in terms of. uh, transfiguration and we have a voice from heaven which is the voice of the father saying literally this is my the son my beloved son or the son whom I love but more than that he's saying with him I am well pleased so so we have to note that that love from the Father, carries with it some expectation from the Son. He could have said, this is uh, my Son, and I'm not pleased <laughs> with the Son. But he was pleased with the Son. That, that part of why he loves the Son is because the Son was executing the Father's plan. So it wasn't just the fact that I just love the Son. He loves the Son because... The son is in the plan and the, the son reciprocates. We know John fourteen thirty one, and the world must learn that I love the father and I do exactly as the father commands. Or we could s- summarize that and say, I, I do what pleases the father. And so we could see that both hinges on a dedication, a devotion. And we're going to see the father's love expressed and how he commits everything to the Son. But that's down the road. So let's take, take some of the scriptures that are uh, also going to tell us that. So in John 1, 18, the rest of the scriptures mostly are in John. So you don't have to turn too far once you get there. John 1, this is interesting as well. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. So now you're going to get the knowledge of the Father through the person of Christ. He is the one who is in the closest, or as the King James says, in the bosom of the Father. The closest relationship, NIV translates it, with the Father and that is to speak of uh, the love. So we we know that there are other verses that talk about Christ as the image of the invisible God and uh, and so forth. That, That says that Christ has to be in such a close relationship with the Father. It says the Son is the express image of the Father. In other words, the Father is happy and proud to allow himself to be displayed through the son let's keep going john 3 john chapter 3 verse 35 it's another verse it says here's this short verse the father loves the son which is what we the verse says uh as the father has loved me so this verse says the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. So there's more that's what I meant there's more to just to say that oh the father uh, loves the son Well we saw, we saw that uh, the father says in him I, I am pleased uh, he, or the son is the one who is able to reveal who I am right as he's in the coast no one has ever seen me but you have seen the son and the son is a perfect demonstration of who I am. From the Father. That's what we get. And then this verse is telling us, yeah, I love the Son. Yes, he says, the Father loves the Son. But this is key verse because it says, and has placed everything in his hands. In other words, Christ has the entire purpose of God in his hands. The Father has given that over to the visible person of Christ so that's important to note. And then we'll keep reading because we got a lot of scriptures. And we could talk about each one. John 5 and 20 says for the father loves the son and here it is and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so you so that you will be amazed. So the father loves the son, and it's not just that he father, the father loves the son. Like I said, there is more to it than that. And we need to see that more so we can understand the extent of the love. What does he mean by he loves the son? Well, he's put everything in his hand. He's the one who reveals him and so forth and so on. So uh, he placed everything in his hands, and now we could see that he will, he will show him even greater works than these. There's going to be more. And then there's um, 13, John 13, 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So notice this is obviously not something that uh, is, you know, secondhand, uh, you know, oh, I see, I've discovered that the Father. No, this was the plan of the Father from before even Jesus went to the world, is that all things would be in his hands, that the Father has turned everything over to Christ. So the Father put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So that there you have his, the incarnation and you have uh, the resurrection where Christ ascended to, back to the Father. So, uh, John 13, a very pivotal scripture. Very pivotal scripture as well. And then we have John 17, 23 and 24. We are we're walking through these pretty quick. 17, 23 and 24 says, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. So, in all of that, we could see there's purpose in love. It is not only just, well, I just love the Father, and the Father just loves me. Well, there's purpose in that. Why? Because I plot Fathers pleased with me. I do exactly as the Father has commanded me. On and on, right? There's a commitment on both sides of that love, whether it's the Father loving Christ or Christ loving the Father. So there is that devotion, commitment, hope, right? And and what the plan of the Father is. So he says he's he is and then in verse 24, Father, I want you, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am And see, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So you have to see that there's a glory. And this is the glory that Christ is saying he wants us to see as well. The glory that he had with the father before the world began. And again, this love speaks of a plan. Right. So, uh, if we couldn't just say because because you love me. Because means it has to do with what was what is previous. So, what is previous? Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me, you gave me this glory because you loved me before the creation of the world. So, wow, that's, it's filled with meaning and purpose. Love, isn't, it's directional. It's not just out there as you know, some person's adoration for another. It is directional in terms of the plan that the Father has and our uh, you know, response to it, as well as the Father's response and willingness and, and giving it to us. So we'll talk about more as we'll let love develop as we go through the verse. So let's keep going. Let's see. The next thought is the father loving Christ speaks of his commitment of the plan to Christ. Right? When you say the commit, his commitment of the plan to Christ, it's not just, uh, yeah, so I got a plan for you. But father committed that. By him committing that plan to Christ, it speaks of the Father loving him. Uh, so that's what hopefully you have seen in those verses. right? Uh, and then him loving him, say "Is we see Christ on the ground fulfilling the plan. And the Father says, in him I am well pleased. I love him. So the way we could say that, the Father loving Christ, speaks of his commitment of the plan to Christ. And that's according to his, and here's the verse, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So if this is the Father's eternal purpose, but he accomplished it. In other words, without Christ, who is, you know, everything hinges on who he is and what he has done. The Father's plan is realized as a result of this. Now, the Father could have said, I'll do it myself. I will just execute the plan. I will come down and die for the sins of the world. I will. No. But the Father says, you know what? I am going to commit this plan to Christ. And by committing that to Christ, he is said to be loving Christ as a result of it. He loves Christ and has committed all that he has given uh, in regards to his eternal purpose. That's what we ought to know. It's according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus. And then there's the Philippians two eleven, which helps us know it's a plan. Actually we read this in our Q&A sec- session. Philippians two eleven says well we could read the whole thing because just to know the sacrifice of Christ, Philippians two six says who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in the human likeness. Now, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue, here it is, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. This last phrase here, to the glory of God the Father. Why is it to the glory of God the Father? It's because it's the Father's plan that Jesus was executing. And yes, The Father is glorified. Why? Because he's the one that has the wisdom and and the, the, the overall plan. That's not to say that the Holy Spirit doesn't have wisdom or Christ did not have this wisdom. But we think, just like I said in the opening, that there is this synergy between the members of the Trinity. That they all work together to achieve this one goal. We we can clearly say it. I almost say it's a little bit corny because it's said too much. But The Father planned it, the Son executed it, and the Holy Spirit reveals it. I might say it's corny, but it's true. It, It is essentially still the thought. All of those things are absolutely true when it comes to that. So it's not corny. It's just me, maybe. So so anyway, <clears throat> just to look at that. <clears throat> His eternal purpose is accomplished in Jesus Christ. That, to me, is what the Father has invested in Christ. That's the love of Christ, which goes beyond knowing. Right? That he knows that you might know the height, the depth, the width, the length of this love. To know this love, which goes beyond knowing, and in order that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So there's a lot that we can talk about when we think about this love. And each of those verses can go a long way. So let's keep going. Uh, Point C, this is one seat, is where we are. And this is a quote. All that belongs to the Father is mine. Now, this is Jesus. Interesting. I'm going to actually turn to John chapter 16 and verse 15 is our Text here. So he says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. Now, if we just stop that, stop right there and say, what do you mean all that belongs to the Father is mine? So we could think about in terms of mutual possession, because Christ said, everything I have belongs to the Father. And then he says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. So it's literally to say that Whatever the Father has. Well, what does the Father have that Christ has that he says or claims is his? It's his plan. The Father has committed the plan to Christ. Remember, we just said that through Christ, all of these things will be accomplished, right? He's on the back of Christ. All of God's eternal purpose is realized. So Christ is saying, all that belongs to the Father is mine, and that means he has committed the entire plan to Christ. So that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. That's why I said, well, that's in the previous verse. If we go back to the previous verse, he says, he, and he's talking about he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So that's interesting that Christ in verse 15 is making, he's clarifying what he meant in verse 14. So that's what he says. That's why I said what he he said in verse 14. So looking at verse 14, you could almost say, oh, okay, all this came from Christ. Christ is the master planner here. Christ, all of this is the plan of Christ. And Christ quickly, he didn't even have to, somebody didn't say, what do you mean you are the, you know, he will receive and what is your, from what is yours and make it known to us? No, he didn't have to go down that road because he says, clearly all that belongs to the father is mine. So you ought to know that this is the father's plan. And if it's that important to Christ, if it's that important to God, the Holy Spirit, it, it has to be important to us. I and mean, this has to be the number one focal point of our lives. I mean, if it was, if it was uh, uh, the focal point of the Father, it was the focal point of Christ. It was the focal point of God, the Holy Spirit. He's taken from what is mine, Christ said. Well, what's mine? Well, wait a minute. I got all this from the Father, just so you know. So if you're tired of hearing about the Father's plan, you are missing something seriously important. Because it is all about the Father's plan. And realizing His eternal purpose. That's why this whole thing exists. All you got to do is look around. Look up into the sky. I don't care where you look. All of this is because of the Father's eternal purpose. That we're here. So it's all, Christ says, it's all mine. I, I, Father gave it to me. It's on my shoulders. I have to execute this. And that is why the Spirit will receive from what is mine and make it known to you. Why making it known to us? Because now we are united to the person of Christ. As he is, so are we in this world. So now it is the integration of the Spirit that that joins with our spirits that helps us understand that we are indelibly united to the Son of God. As he is, so are we in this world. So everything that's true of him is true of us. That's why the Spirit has to make known the mind of Christ to us, because it is about who we are as well. We are his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's Ephesians 1.23. So we have this information because it belongs to us. It's not just, well, let me tell you, this information came from the Father. I'm telling it to you. No, it, it belongs to us. It, you know what? It was not told to Israel. It was not told to Gentiles prior to this. It was not told to angels it belongs to us. So not only does God give us the Holy Spirit so that the Spirit will guide us into all truth regarding these things because they belong to us. Yeah, all that belongs to the Father is mine. And if it if it's Christ and and he's given it to Christ, then guess what? It belongs to us as well. That's why it's made known to us because it's part of who we are. And so much as we can think about. That's John 16, 15. So, as the Father has loved me, point number two says, so have I loved you. So let's start with that uh, phrase. There is no doubt that Christ loved the disciples. No doubt. I mean, obviously, he, he, he provided for them, he protected them, he became wisdom for them whenever they needed it, if it was food or healing or whatever. They saw miracle after miracle from Christ, but it's more than that. Christ is saying, "I love you." It's it's, it's but it's about fulfilling the Father's eternal plan, right? So, if we look at uh, there's this analogy which we haven't gotten to yet in John chapter 15. I'm going to it. John 15, 13 through 15, which we got a little ways, weeks to go before we get there, but let's just, let's lay it out there. Christ makes this statement, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his, for one's friends. Now, a a person would just look at this phrase and think, oh, so Christ laid down his life for friend's. And he's saying greater love is no one than this than that, right? Interesting. So if I compare that to Romans, where he says, even though while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Now, see, that's about salvation. And all of us were enemies when it came to salvation. But listen to what Christ is saying here. It is not that at all. See, on the surface, most people say, see, now that's where a person gives their life for another person. That's love, right? That's not what he's saying. So let's read a little more careful, right? Greater love is no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. Verse 14. You are my friends. Notice there is a condition here if you do what I command. What is that? What what, what what do you command? Well, that goes back to the whole mystery age and what Christ was revealing and how it's going to change and what they're going to have to do and well, there's going to be a new age coming, the Holy Spirit's coming and so forth. You've got to do, you've got to follow what I command. Right? Love each other. Right, Love me, abide in me, and love each other. Right? These are two the th- commands that he gives. So you are my friends if you do what I command. So he's going to tell you what the difference is between friend and a servant. Verse 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Friends is just another term that he's thrown out there and what does that mean? For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Isn't that exactly what we just read in 16, 15? He says, all, he says, all that the father has is mine. That is why I'm telling you the Holy Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Literally, he's talking about this specific age. And he's telling them, you know, in all these different ways and uh, metaphors. Similes, you know, it's like a friend, you know, nobody can say, you know, greater love is nobody. Lay down his life for the friends, and you're my friends if you do what I tell you to do, right? When I'm been, and if you go back into context, you will see that's what he's been telling them. It's all about this new age information that is going to be a part of the disciples' life going forward. In fact. The disciples are going to become the apostles once Judas is replaced with the apostle Paul. And remember, they are the foundation of this new entity called the church. So so this is, you are my friends, if you do what I say, uh, I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. The master's business here is the father's plan. That's the analogy. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I made it known to you. So that that's you're you're in a different category now, and that category is not just well, I'm letting you in on the, the deeper things of God. No, you have a right to these things. I like what it says that to those who did receive Him, He gave the right to become children of God, the right. Because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So it's interesting when we see that there's no doubt that that this is the case. That Of course he loves the disciples. But no, the love, like we've been saying, is more about direction. It's not just, oh, I just love him. No, the love has to do with the direction. So point B, in the same way the Father loved me, this is a re- a paraphrasing of that. In the same way the Father loved me, so I loved you. And this just some thoughts. I'm going to do, uh, there's five thoughts on, on this going forward. But notice, that's what that verse is saying. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. In the same way as the Father has loved me. Well, with the same motivation, with the same direction, the father's loved me. Now, I'm going to be turning this over to you. So let's look at the first point. The Father loves Christ. And what does that love mean? It means the commitment of the eternal purpose to Him. Now, we we already covered this, but just another scripture that says just that, Colossians 2, 2, and 3. Not that we haven't read this before. I'm hoping that you remember it and you're able to quote it right now in your head. 2, 2, and 3. My goal, Paul says is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So any love? No, this group needs to be with this focus. This is the most important thought in all of this. So that they may have full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ as i have loved you so as father's loved me so have i loved you this is the thought right this is how we ought to see this right the father committed the entire plan to christ and now what does it say in verse 3 in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge they're hidden in christ hidden means mystery meaning but now, obviously, they are revealed to us. They were hidden to everybody else because they didn't pertain to them. But now, they are revealed to us. And it is going to be through us that we hear what the plan of the Father is. Right? It's through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So that's important. The Father loves Christ. The commitment of the eternal purpose is to him. Right, he's the focal point, and then point number two. Christ loves us, right? So we could say, okay, Jesus is leaving the world, and commits the continuing work to the disciples who become the foundation of the church. We just spoke about that earlier, but that is exactly the the gist of it, right? Christ is leaving, and that was a whole import of John chapter 14 the disciples were upset about Christ leaving he says don't let your hearts be troubled believe in God you believe in God believe also in me what i tell you you have to put trust in i'm i yes i'm going away i'm not going to sugarcoat sugarcoat that i'm i am going away but that was the whole thing he's leaving and there's this new dynamic that the disciples would have to begin to shoulder because they will become the foundation of the church. So it wasn't just his disciples for three and a half years that he would walk around with and so forth, but it was the fact that Christ was preparing them to be apostles in the church. So that was important. Point number two, Christ loves us. Jesus is leaving the world, that's what we just discovered. We just have to make sure that now you see that there's responsibility placed on us. So that's what he means. Just as the Father loved me, he sent me into the world, so I have lo- I have loved you, and I'm sending you into the world. So let's go to point number three. John 15, 10. Alright, so 1510. <laughs> I I can't. Even though we're not at 1510 yet, sometimes you got to jump ahead a little bit in the verse in order to understand what is being said. So, for instance, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. What does that mean? Uh, I think it's clear in 1510. Right? Let's look at 1510. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And here it is just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So we're seeing this forwards and backwards, right? We're seeing the father loves me, right? So just like he's saying, what does that mean? I have kept my father's commands. What are his father's commands? It's the eternal plan. It's (laughs) what we've been been talking about. It's why Christ came to the earth so he could fulfill his role in the eternal plan on earth. He's in heaven now, interceding for us. Right? He's still working for us, in heaven. It's not over yet, and then he will come, and uh, you know, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise, and we will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we always be with the Lord. That's that's not happened yet. So until that happens, God is gonna, the Father is gonna be calling out those many sons into glory. Well, he called them from eternity past, but now he's realizing their call in time. So 1510, remaining in his love, right? Just as remaining in me, right? Remain in me and I in you. That's the same thing we've been reading in 155. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit Apart from me, you can do nothing. So in, in these verses, we saw you know, what it meant to remain in him. Here we have it just straight out in 1510. Right? If, you, if you keep my commands, right? that's important. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. So that's where we, we talked about what it meant to remain or abide in Christ. Here it is laid out for us. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So that happened for Christ when he was here because he was executing the father's plan. Now that plan has been passed on to us. Christ is saying, I have loved you. Now, what does it take for us to remain in his love? Well, we got to keep his commands. Well, what are Christ's commands? Well, Christ's (laughs) Christ's commands are the father's commands, right? Because that's where he got the word from, right, it is the Father, right, all that belongs to the Father is mine. Now, how has it become his? Because the Father gave it to him, right? the Father has given all things to Christ, right? and now Christ is even the creator of all things, so we know that everything it says was made uh, by him and for him, so just looking at all of the connections that we see, with these scriptures, it's just amazing. Let's move on, point number four. Love each other as I have loved you. And this is uh, verse 12. So, so notice, um, we have a command. So we First it is, as the Father has loved me. So the Father loves Christ. Then Christ says, I'm turning around and now I love you. So what does that mean? That means you have to obey the commands that are in me that come from the Father. And then what is that? Now he turns to us. He says now, and this is, we're not at this verse. This is verse 12 coming up in the context. Love each other as I love you. As I have loved you. So when we say love each other as I have loved you, verse 12, right? That would follow now. It, the burden is on us. But can we just love any kind of way? Is it... Any kind of way we think, no, it has to be with the same direction of love that came from the Father, that came from Christ. Now, that love, we're commanded to love each other in the same way. What does that mean? Trust one another, depend on each other, for uh, you are members together. Let's look at Romans twelve four and 5. Romans our text 12 4 and 5. For just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So no, notice it's the body metaphor. Like there's all kinds of different parts to a body that are essential and we are the different parts of the body. And so we all have our different functions but uh, we're but we're all one body. So it is, in, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body. We're one unit. And each member belongs to all the others. So when it says belongs to all the, all the others, that means we are one. Right? You are part of me. I'm a part of you. Right? It's not to say that uh, I'm independent, or you are independent, we belong to one another. We have the same purpose, ultimately. Even though we may have different functions, right? we don't all have the same function, but we have that one singular purpose, which uh, by one spirit were we all baptized into one body. So we're all in the body of Christ. And because of that, we should not see each other as different from us we we are members of one body so that's a, a key scripture i think uh, in our understanding and then there's uh first john fifth uh no oh, it's should be 5 in your notes please correct that it shouldn't be first john 15 there is no first john 15 this <laughs> a rough day first john 5 uh 19 and 20 let's read it So it says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So I just want to set the stage for us to understand who we are in this world. So we know uh, the evil one is in the world. The evil one is Satan. But there are also unbelievers in the world. And there are other believers. The believers are part of who we are. There's one. We are one with them. They may be different functioning functioning different in the body, but we are still one with them. So what does it mean? It means we have to trust what God has uh, given them as a gift. We have to depend on who they are. We can't just function alone. We have to trust. We have to depend on the other members of the body. We have to prefer one another. As well, like it says in this verse, we are the children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So no, outside the body, there is no rapport or camaraderie that we have in the world or with Satan. The only camaraderie, rapport we have is with the fellow members of the body of Christ who are here going through the same sojourn that we are going through, the same pilgrimage we're all we got, to say it bluntly. So we gotta take care of one another. That's, that's what command is. Stay. He told the disciples this to say, stay together. Don't depart. Don't fragment. Because they were getting ready to go through those roller coasters of emotion, up and down. Oh, Christ is dead. Now he's. You heard he was raised. He's raised. Oh my gosh. So they. Yeah, but he said, stay together, right? Love one another. This is important above all else, Christ is saying, for you to function in this world. And then verse 20. Let's just look at verse 20. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. And, and, by This is him who is true is the father, just so you know, so that we may know him who is true and that we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So notice it's not just about loving and trusting one another. It's around that purpose. We know that. The Son of God has come and he has given us the understanding of who we are in Christ, so we may know him and we, knowing him means knowing the Father's eternal purpose and it, it, we're in him and he's in us yeah, that's filled with meaning for our particular age so this this is this devotion to one another is directional as well it's not just well we we gotta stick together because we're all in the same boat. Because we are all in the same boat regarding this eternal purpose of the Father. That's how we ought to see it. Yeah. So point number five is coming from where we were in John fourteen twenty-three. We covered this uh, back when we were in John. So we're going to go look at this verse again because it kind of speaks to this, right? So John 14, 23 says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, right? So that's why it's important for us to see this thought because it's not just about loving him, which is the same as to say abiding in him, comes with our devotion our commitment to him our giving ourselves up to him our lives to to this purpose if if you love me Jesus is saying this in verse 23 anyone who loves me will will obey my teaching that's and then you have the father will love them So earlier we saw the Father will love me, but guess what? If you are obeying the Father's teaching, then the Father loves you because he he will say, I am pleased, and that one, I am pleased. And we will come and make our home with them. Verse 26, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the, there you have it. The Holy Spirit's coming. He's talking about, we already talked about what the Holy Spirit would do when he came. How he would guide us into all truth. And he would take from what the Father's plan was. Christ said, "The Father, everything that the Father had was given to him. And that's why he's making it known to us. Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. What's my teaching? Is it just the Ten Commandments? No, it's the mystery. So what Christ was revealing, uh, the mystery, things that would happen when the Spirit comes. The mystery teachings. So I, I think if people don't have an understanding of the mystery, then they can't have a correct understanding of the Christian way of life. That is our way of life. We'll get more to that. So, because he says in point number three, now remain in my love. All right, so how do we see that? So we don't have to interpret what remain in my love means because we have verse 15, right? So let's just go back to John 15 and we look at 15. I know, wait a minute, did I mess that up? Really, I meant to say verse 10. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, there's another error in our notes. I have to say, it's, so 1510 says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. I, I don't have to make that up, right? That's literally there, so it's verse 10. I'm correcting my notes, I hope you do the same. So I mean when when God has given us the the interpretation of what something means do we need to go and come up with some you know intelligent meaning we don't we just need to say what God said it means and let's think about how in deep that is right there it is he says now remain in my love and then he, the next verse next week really we could have done this verse um, with verse nine, verse ten, with verse nine, because they are so integrated. He says, "If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love." Really, it's the same thing that we've been seeing in the earlier verses, just said a different way. Instead of remaining in Christ, it's remaining in His love. Right? That's and is the Father integrated in there? Yes. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. He's the gardener, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and the fruit that is born through you is the Father's fruit. Right? It's just born through us. Same analogy, but different words being employed. But the, those different words do something for us. They give us deeper and more exact understanding of what He meant when he talked about abiding in him and so forth. So that's what's important. Let's keep going. Now remain in my love. Remember, doing what is commanded is the new message for the church. The disciples would need to commit to this, even with the strong influence of Israel. That was what they had to face Remember, the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, the the, the Sadducees, right? These religious people, the the religious ruling body in Israel were going to challenge whatever was said. Now, if you look at Acts chapter 15, you saw that there was great controversy within the church. Which direction would the church go? They had what they called the Jerusalem Council. And in this council, Acts chapter 15, we read, uh, hopefully you remember our conversations about that. So, uh, through 5 certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Wow, that's deep. I mean, that's to say, that's a lot. Uh, Verse 2, this brought brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute with the, and debate with them so Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some of the other believers to go up to Jerusalem and see the apostles and elders about this question the church sent them on their way and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria they were told they told how the gentiles had been converted the news made all the believers very glad Verse 4, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. The the mighty works of God, right? 5, then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. Now, the fact that they had to meet and hash this out is not about weakness, it's about strength. Because when there is dissension in the ranks, it needs to be dealt with. We need to call that out, we need to figure out, especially something as pivotal as this. We cannot just let this go. Well, now some want to believe that, let them believe it. Others want to believe something else, let them believe it. We are going to just keep the peace that is not it at all. They needed to have some consensus, especially about these foundational things for the church. I know they prevailed because I am here today and the doctrine is sound. Although we still have people who would dissent, even in the face of all of this, right? They would dissent and say, no. There's got to be some aspects of the law that we bring into the church. There's still people who would want to do that. But yet, we have to stand firm. Right? That's We're not going to have another council. We're just going to stand, uh, you know, contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. So, that's important, what happened in Acts. That just gives you what, you know, the disciples had to face. Was there opposition to their message? yes. Tremendous opposition. And the Jews fought them on every step. Point number C. So remain, stay, abide in Christ's love. Now notice, it's Christ's love. Now the love is, that is our responsibility as long as we have boots on the ground. And, you know, what what that's to say is remain, now remain in my love. Right. And he's going to tell you in the next verse about what it means to remain in his love. But but for now, we just have the phrase remain in my love. We have an obligation. That's what this is. Now, it doesn't say, you you know, if we didn't have a choice. Well, we wouldn't even need to have the command. But the fact that we have the command says that we have responsibility to remain in his love. And we—that is part of what our life has to to be about. So Ephesians six eleven and twelve. I might as well turn. We're nearing the end here. Six eleven and twelve says, "Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes." And that was ten. Put on the full armor of God, so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. That's that's what we're doing here. This is normal Christian life for us. And that takes us into point D. This is the Christian way of life, remaining in his love. When I say the Christian way of life, it is what is normal for us. It is, as we would say, uh, par for the course. This is what we are supposed to do as believers with all of the provisions and assets provided us. This is the new way of life given through uh, what happened at Pentecost. So there's the scripture, I have told you this, 1511, which is the verse after 10, which we'll get to next week. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So that my my joy comes as a result of abiding in Christ or remaining in his love. You might say, uh, you know, like Christ said, my joy is to do the will of him who sent me. Right? So in the same way, the Christian way of life, what, what do we have? We have joy. We have Christ's joy that is given to us. Or in verse chapter 14, he says, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world has peace, but I'm giving you a different kind of peace. And then it says that we would have this joy and that this joy we would have to a complete level. The more we grow in grace, the more our joy will be complete. The more we remain in him and follow his commands, and you know, which is the new mystery message, the more we will have joy. Joy springs from the calling that we have received, fulfilling the purpose for which we were actually called. Joy has a synergy which relates to us fulfilling our purpose, doing that thing that we were meant to do, fulfilling that purpose that we were called to do. Like our niche in life, it gives us joy. We'll talk more about this next week, of course, but uh, we must remain. This is not something where only sometimes we want to live the Christian way of life, just as a a branch cannot abide in the vine sometimes and grow and expect to bear fruit. You gotta get to the place where the hope swells up inside you and the love of 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 God just boils up so that it overpowers everything in your life. And then the joy. We'll talk more about all this next week. Uh but Let's close for now. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us. We thank you for the calling, the tremendous privilege that we have to be in this age that you chose us in him before, the creation of the world. Gratitude is in our hearts. And we can take that gratitude and turn that into not only learning of who you are and what you represent, but that we will grow in you and in the knowledge of our, our of our plan that is for the church. so we thank you for the calling Father and we uh, will show our appreciation uh, this is what we can do we can remain in the love of Christ uh, so we pray for wisdom as we walk in this world. In 2020, there are so many obstacles and things here, but we know wisdom is what conquers them all. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. And now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Let the church say, amen.
1: Amen. 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 Amen.